0: If you if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Paul's letter to the Philippians to chapter 4, and we're only going to read a couple of verses, verses 8 and 9 together. But first, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the way that you have spoken to your people through your word throughout the generations. Lord, as we're gathered here today, we ask that we might Hear your voice speak to us very, very clearly through your word. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, reading verses 8 and 9. Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. And we give thanks to God for this reading from His holy word to God be all praise and all glory, now and forevermore. There's a, there's a wonderful scene in the middle of the, the Disney movie, The Lion King. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the movie. Simba, the, the, the cub, the, the heir to the title of Lion King, has been driven out of the Pride Lands by his evil uh, uncle Scar. Lost, lonely, afraid and exhausted. Simba's brought back to health by the the friendly warthog Pumbaa and the wise-cracking meerkat Timon. They've got this motto that they live by and you know it. Hakuna Matata. Don't worry. They do what they want. They live how they want. They're faithful to their own sense of right and wrong. They've got no responsibilities. They've got no vision larger than themselves. No thought beyond the present moment and, and, and their immediate circumstances. And as Simba's brought back to health and as he grows up uh, within, uh, with, within their community, he gladly adopts this way of life. And he spends the next few years living by this one adage, Hakuna Matata. And then as the story goes on, some things happen where his his past life begins to catch up with him. He's told by a beautiful lioness that, that they need him back in the pride. Things are going horribly wrong. But Simba rejects this. And it's then that he's given this very, very powerful vision of his father, Mufasa, who tells him in that vision, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember. That was Jeff's challenge to us last week. Remember who you are. You are a child of God. And it's absolutely vital that we remember that. But just as vital is another issue, not just to remember that we're a child of God, but to be careful where we're dwelling. Be careful where you dwell. As long as Simba lived with Pumbaa and Timon, it didn't matter that he remembered who he was. He would always fall back on the motto, Hakuna Matata. And it was only when he went back to Pride Rock that he was truly able to live as the Lion King. Simba had forgotten not just who he was, but that where he was living was, was not his real home. It was only temporary. Paul also knew that this world was not his home. There was a far better place for him, his, his true home. He says in Philippians chapter 1, "'I long to be with Christ' which is far better. You are a child of the living God. You are a child of the living God. But where are you dwelling? Or what is your mind dwelling upon? There's a saying that I know you all know. It goes, you are what you eat. Jesus put it like this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where where moth destroys and rust decays. Rather, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, there's this constant pressure upon each one of us as Christians to bend more and more and more with the culture. The problem is we don't really notice how much we're bending until it's too late. There's, there's, there's the there's the old story about the, the frog in the kettle. You throw a frog into a pot of boil, boiling water, and it's going to jump out in abject terror. But if you sit this frog in a pot of cold water and very, very gradually, very slowly bring it to a boil, then the, the frog's going to sit in that water without ever noticing a thing until it dies. You know, one thing I'd really like to know is, who did that? Who tried to throw a frog in a pot of boiling water? And who sat a frog in a pan of cold water and brought it to the boil? I feel really sorry for the first frog that that happened to. That's not something for you to try at home. A couple of hundred thousand years ago, the Grand Canyon was just a a little stream that was winding across a plain over the over the centuries over the millennia it gradually eroded the soil and then the rock until now the grand canyon's one of the, the the natural wonders of the world we we just flew over it a couple of weeks ago and it's amazing to see it from 35,000 feet but the reality is it's a deep deep scar a wound if you like across the wilderness that has happened over a long, long time, almost unnoticed. There are so many images and words and thoughts and ideas that are thrown at us by society that we don't even realize how far we are from where we're supposed to be. Many of us have have our TVs on as a constant noise in the background, and we watch things indiscriminately without considering what what impact the shows and even the commercials are having on us and on our families. Let me give you an example. The Super Bowl has always been a great family sporting event on TV, but over the last few years, the commercials have become more and more sexually charged. Taking piece at a time, it maybe doesn't seem that bad. But the pressure that's brought to bear upon our minds, upon our hearts, and upon our lives, yeah, it's very significant. It's the It's the gradual erosion that wears everything away. If we were actually to pay attention and to interact with what we were seeing and with what we were hearing, I think it would actually surprise us. I remember hearing once, I'm someone talking about how Forrest Gump was, 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 a, was a great family film. The person that they were talking to said, do you really think so? And he responded, it's a wonderful film about goodness and about love and about gentleness, wonderful family values. And then the responder went on to say, what about the scene where Forrest's mother sleeps with a principal to get Forrest into the school? What about when Forrest fathers a child at the end of the movie? Are those good ideals? And this is how the person responded, you know, I never noticed these things. I never noticed them at all. It's the slow, gradual erosion of our minds. We fail to see what's glaringly obvious before us, and we wonder why we've got this sense of disquiet, of that, that, we're, that we're not quite the people that we're supposed to be. We may be children of the living God, but we're not truly dwelling with Him. What we fill our minds with is going to determine who we are going to be what we let our minds dwell upon, where we dwell, is going to determine how we deal with this almost imperceptible pressure of erosion. Listen again to what Paul says, keeping keeping the above context in mind. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a number of things in here that are so important for us to grasp as we think about the pressure of erosion from our culture. First of all, Many of the things that Paul lists in in these verses are are words or concepts that are to be found in the writings of his contemporary philosophers. So, on one level, Paul is saying not everything in culture is is wrong. You just have to be discerning. Elsewhere in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. So Paul's basically saying, you're a part of the culture in which you find yourself, but don't just accept that culture wholesale because there are things about it which are destructive. So look around. Look around with a discerning eye. If you see something that reflects purity, then think about it. If you see something that's honorable, then think about that. If you experience truth, think about that and so on and so forth. Rather than the word whatever that we have in the New International Version, it might be better to say, if there's anything at all, anything at all that is true, then think about those things. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that if we discern things that are the opposite, then cast them from your minds. Don't think about those things. Don't dwell on them. Don't focus on them. Remember, elsewhere Paul says, we take every thought captive. Every thought. Now, Paul is not simply saying, look to the good things in culture, and that's the end of the story. No. No. He's not saying that at all. He's saying so much more than that. Earlier in in the letter, Paul's encouraged the Philippians to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And I believe it's more than possible that Paul is returning to that theme right here in chapter 4. Think about this. He says, Whatever is true, wherever truth is to be found, who is the one who said, I am the truth? Jesus Christ. Whatever is noble or better, honorable or majestic, who is worthy of all honor and is himself the King of Kings? Jesus Christ. Whatever is just, who is the judge of the living and the dead? Jesus Christ. Whatever is pure or holy, who is the sinless one? Yeah, Jesus Christ whatever is lovely. Now, lovely doesn't do this word justice. The the Greek word means those things which promote love. Who is the one who has revealed to us the love of God? Jesus Christ. Whatever is commendable or, or worthy of praise. Who is the one who is worthy of all our praise? Jesus Christ himself. So Paul is in effect saying, think on these things that will draw you closer to Jesus Christ. But then there's one more thing that we need to be clear about. Paul is not saying, think about these things from time to time, or as the fancy takes you. The tense of the verb is very, very clear. What it means is, think about these things continually. Don't stop thinking about them. Dwell on them at all times. This is your permanent dwelling place. And don't let yourself be distracted. When you find your mind wandering, as it often does, now I'm going to challenge you here to catch yourself in an unguarded moment and just to see where your mind is going. But what Paul is saying, when you find your mind wandering, dwell upon these things. Bring your mind back back. Bring them back to your mind and keep them there. Now, that would be fine and good if if that was it, and all we had to do was sit in our prayer closet and think about these things, and so we'll be transformed and and have minds that are changed. Wonderful, great, lovely. But Paul doesn't let us off the hook quite so easily as that. He says, Thinking about it is only one part of it. You've also got to put it into practice. He says, if you've seen any of these things, truth and purity and justice and the rest, if you've seen any of these things in me, then use me as your model and do them yourself. You see, Paul, from his very earliest letters, was always modeling. Barnabas was his mentor. Timothy was his mentee, and he lifted himself up as a model of Christian living for all the communities of faith. All of us are very familiar with with the, the, the WWJD thing, what would Jesus do? Someone once said to me, that's too hard. I'm not Jesus. I can't do what Jesus would do. But I can look at another Christian whom I love and whom I respect and ask what he or ask what she would do. And I think we all know people whom we can strive to model, don't we? So Paul says, "Dwell on these things and put them into practice. And then he goes on, and the peace of God will be with you. You will be dwelling in the presence of the God of peace. What a wonderful word of assurance. We need no longer fear the erosion caused by our culture because we are dwelling in our true home as children of the living God, the God of peace. Continually dwell on these things and put them into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.